Hello, and welcome to the teaching ministry of Impact Family Church. For more information, including service times and directions, or to find out more about us, you can visit our website at www.impactfamilychurch.com. We trust you'll be blessed by today's message. How many of you know what we've been talking about? Praying for your children. Hallelujah. Well, right now I'm on, I have got five full pages of notes that for this whole series. We managed to make it through, what, uh, number six last week. We've got three more to go. I don't guarantee anything. I uh, feel like I could, I've got more than just one, one service here left in me, but maybe not enough for two, so we'll see how this goes. We're not going to do a whole lot of review because um, I'm Let's see if I can make it through tonight. How about that? So anybody want to, let's just quickly run through what we've already talked about. Number one, comprehend the love of God. Number two, maintain a tender heart toward the things of God. Number three, wisdom. Number four, protection. My heavens, Melanie, you just gave a grand example of protection on that. And last week we talked about what? The favor of God, fog, they're in a fog all the time. And number six, find and fulfill God's plan for their lives. Amen. You are taking notes. You're doing so good. Amen. I'm hoping this is beneficial to you because, you know, we're not talking about just, you know, little kids. We're talking about kids of every age. You know, even though you might be 80 and your kids might be 60, they still need your prayers. They still need your prayers. So, I mean, this, this kind of goes, you know, with the territory. But to this particular one may not apply everywhere. But this is a major thing you need to be praying for your children concerning. And it, this is finding the right mate. So, I may be doing some meddling tonight. So, you can either say amen or oh me. But, but it's an important thing. Finding the right person to become a part of their lives, join to them together as one before the Lord is one of the most life-altering decisions they will ever make, either for good or for bad. And um, it's never too early to start praying, never too early. I remember when Steve was born, he was born uh, on, a th- on a Tuesday. He was born at 2.10 in the afternoon, and back, that was back in the days before dads got to stay. There were no private rooms. You know, dads didn't get to stay. They kicked him out at 8 o'clock at night. And I remember pastors telling me he went home that night. He couldn't go to sleep because he was just, in his mind, he was just going over. Okay, okay he's going he's gonna to be graduated. Then he's going to get married. And I mean, this kid is not even just hours old. And he's already got this, all this stuff going on about, about when he graduates and when he gets married and all this kind of stuff. You know what? That day came faster than we all thought. Seriously. So it is never too early to start praying for the right person to come into their lives. Never too early. You know, that right mate, so many things are involved in it. There's timing. There's standards. There's dating practices that are involved. You know, our children don't need to bow to peer pressure. There is no reason, I'm sorry, maybe some of you don't agree with me, but there is really no good reason for your child to have a boyfriend or a girlfriend until they're 18 years old. 
I'm telling you. I am a product of letting somebody go out and get, date er, too early. You know, and my life reflected that. Thank God God redeemed that part of my life. But let me tell you, they have no business having a boy. Stop this nonsense when they're five years old. Do you have a boyfriend? Stop it. Stop it. There's enough pressure on them already between their peers and TV and movies and dumb romance novels that these little teenage girls get into. I told you I'm going to meddle. And I'm going to meddle big time. There is, there is no reason you are setting your child up for disaster. My parents set me up for disaster by letting, they thought I was such a good girl, you know, they could trust me, you know, and they could till I met some, certain people. <laughs> but yeah, people, people do not need to sexualize your children. Watch what they wear. Watch what they wear. They don't need to be going in skimpy stuff. They don't need to be going with their tops exposed. They're, this world, even the Christian world, has forgotten what modesty in a young lady is. There is no reason for tank tops that come down here and half their falling out. They're just, they're, they're, it's, it's not right. It's not right that they wear shorts that come up to here. Mm -mm, no, ma'am. I know I didn't have girls. So you can look at me and say, well, you just had boys. You don't know what it's like. Well, I don't need to know what it's like. I know what I see. And I know what the rest of them see. And young ladies, you know, as they get, as they get older, just tend to forget, maybe because they've not been taught, that young men have eyes. And they look. And what they see affects them greatly. And if they are mindful of their brothers in the Lord, they will not dress in such a way to cause their brothers to have a problem. Now, I, I wonder sometimes, and I've seen it even in this church, and I'm going to be brutally honest with you tonight, and I, I may not get past this one subject tonight, but I'm going to be brutally honest with you. I don't know why some of these young girls come into church looking like they do. Who bought those clothes? Who okayed that outfit? I don't see where there's any problem with saying, no, you're not going out looking like that. Mm -mm, no. You, I, number one, you're not going to buy that. You know, when it comes to their clothes, you know, ladies, if you're a mother and you've got young girls, preteens, teenagers, you need to okay everything they put on. You need to teach them to be modest. You don't need to be an example of what immodesty is. Just because you're 45 doesn't mean you could go around with part of your boobs hanging out. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And young men don't need, to be, don't need to be in the company of other young men who tell lurid stories and off-color jokes and remarks and talk about girls the way that they do 
they need, to, they need to be protecting their ears and protecting their thought life. That is not the way that they're going to recognize a godly woman when she shows up. It's not. I know today's styles for girls are tight. Listen, I wonder sometimes how they get into what they get into. I mean, it is a second skin. There are people on today's platforms in churches who look like that. The ladies around here sometimes ask me, you know, well, why can't we wear pants like that? Can we wear pants yet? And I'm going, no. Why? Well, this is why. Because I can't regulate the tightness of your pants as well as I can the tightness of your skirt. Because you see where that platform is? When the men at this church stand up, where, where, where do their eyes go? Mm-hmm. Wrong places. Wrong place. That's why the ladies at the platform never wear pants. I don't want to come down here every single Sunday morning for the ones who, who serve on the platform and say, nope, it's too tight. Nope, it's too short. Nope, it's this. Nope, it's that. You just set a standard and you live by the standard. As mothers and fathers, you need to have the same. There is, I know, I didn't have girls, but Kendra did, and we talk about this in the office sometimes, and I know from what she's told me over the years that it was difficult many times to find modest clothing for her girls, but it is possible. It might not be easy, but it is possible. And our daughters have not been given the best examples of what modesty is, not trained in those areas. And it's time for us to take a look, you know, and do something about it. It's all part of this, this, this finding the right mate process. It really is. You know, they don't need to be out there, you know, displaying their wares, you know, like bait in a trap. You know, they don't. Fathers, if you knew what the, what the guys were thinking when your daughters were dressed like that, you would take a shotgun to them. But if you're a guy, you were a teenager one time too. You were a young man too. Listen, it's hard. I remember, I remember somebody, I think it was Pastor George told me about, he'd gone to Disney one year. And um, I don't know, Carol and the kids were out, you know, running around, whatever. And, and so he sat down on a bench next to a man, and come to find out this man, he was wearing sunglasses, but as they got to talking, you know, Pastor George, he'd talk to anybody, you know, and he'd get them all spilling everything you know, for too long because that was just his personality. And he sat down next to this man and uh, had on sunglasses, like I said, but a few minutes into the conversation, he found out this man was blind. And so Pastor George was, you know, well, that's not great. He goes, you know, he said, uh, the, the, before I lost my sight, you know, I was, I was seeing how this world was going and how young ladies were dressing. He says, sometimes it's not really a bad thing to be blind. You don't have to see it. And I'm just going, you know, that's, that's, just not, that's just not the way to deal with it. The way to deal with it is for mothers and fathers to make sure their daughters are portraying a god, what a godly woman is going to look like. And they can do it from the time they're young until the time that they, they're grown and all through their lives. You know, um, I, I remember I have come in before, went back when the, we were doing the, the hip hugger type pants, and I've come up behind young ladies before in, here in this church and that were leaned forward, and there was a nice view right down the backside 
I have gone up to young ladies in the church over the years and said, pull your top down and your skirt up. I have gone in the bathroom before and told a young, young lady one time, that's totally inappropriate what you have on for church. I shouldn't have to be doing that. You should be doing that for them. You really should. Amen. Okay, I get rapid trails. I'm sorry. You know, but it's, it's easier to keep yourself pure as a teenager, as a young adult. Even the ages are getting younger and younger. It's easier to keep yourself in a place that's pure if the atmosphere is controlled by God. And what I mean by God, I can also mean by godly parents. They may not like you. It's okay. If your child has never said, I hate you, I can't stand you, then you're not doing a good job. Because at some point, you're going to find yourself in a place where you have to put your foot down, and you're going to have to say no. You're going to have to say no. This is the standards that we live by, the standards that we go by, whether you like it or not. And so, you know, we just don't need to be, be allowing our children to be put in, in places where they're being tested and tried in that area. Our young boys, our young boys don't need to be put, have that temptation put in front of them, and our young ladies don't need to put themselves in that position. And so, you know, when it comes time for, for dating, you know, hopefully it's after they're in adult stage, but if not then maybe you should set some standards like there are no single dates. You know, you go in a group setting only. That's a, place, a good place to get to know somebody anyway, is in a group setting. You know, you, can, you have other people around. It's a safe environment. You know, I, I know people, you know, who, who refuse. They're engaged already, and they refuse to be alone for very long at a time because they don't want to have the pressure that the flesh puts on them happen. Even know of a young couple in this church that decided not to even kiss until they got married. You think, man, that is bizarre. No, I think that was pure wisdom. You know, if you, if you have to set a standard for yourself. Parents, we set a standard for them, but then they have to get to a place in their lives, and that's why we pray for them. They have to get to a place in their lives where they set their own standards and they maintain those standards. They need to know that um, marriage is something to pursue, not a living arrangement. Mm -hmm. Maybe some of you found yourselves in that position one time. I, I am not belittling that. I'm just saying that's under the blood. Let's just pick up and go on. Uh, you, know, you know, you know our story. You know, you just have to pick up and go on. That's, that's part of my past. You know, it had lifelong consequences, but it's part of our past. You know, so you just kind of pick it up and, and you go on from there. But marriage is a lifelong commitment. Too often people get married because they're just in love with the idea of getting married. And, and if things don't go so well, well, you know, divorce is no big deal. Yes, it is. It is a big deal. It is a really big deal. God's 
ultimate plan for all of us is when we find a mate to keep that mate till death do us part. Is it always easy? No, it's not. I mean, I just, I, I, I envy the stories of people who have been married for years and years and years and never seem to quarrel, never seem to have issues. I mean, they always work them out in a pleasant way and, and there's no strife. Is there really such a thing? I don't know. But it sounds like it. You know, sometimes what I, what I see is that there's never been, there's never been strife. Y'all always manage to just kind of, oh, yeah, whatever you want. Oh, whatever you want. Yeah, and that would be great. But, you know, that, that really isn't the way most of us find ourselves operating in marriage. It's really not. You know, but it's a lifelong commitment, and it's something worth working at. If, you, if, you, if your child says, I do to somebody, they need to do it in light of the fact that whatever problems arise, it's worth fighting for to maintain that marriage. It's worth the fight. It's worth giving up whatever I have to give up. It's worth being out of myself and what I want and, and, and laying all that down for someone. It's worth it. It's worth it. But casual relationships are dangerous. And you think, well, you know, my kid, they can date. You know, it's, it's not going to be any big deal. Listen, emotions get involved in things real quick. And once emotional attachments are formed, it is tough to break them. Tough. It's not like trying on a pair of shoes. Going from one, oh, I don't like this one, let's move on. Marriage is not like a pair of shoes either. Well, if it works, fine. If it doesn't, fine. You know, I, I, we have an old family friend of ours, you know, from the church that we came from years ago, and his youngest daughter got married, and it was, they were very well-to-do people, and so this was a big wedding, a big wedding. And um, a lot, my parents spent a ton of money on it, and six months later, they were getting a divorce. Six months Marriage is not seen today as something that's as holy before God as it is. You don't make that kind of a commitment to another person unless you're determined to stand the test of time, no matter what it takes, no matter how hard it gets, no matter how much it hurts, no matter, no matter what, you're willing to stand the test of time. I mean, you know, there's some great examples, you know, in, in, the, in the Bible of people who made bad choices. Samson and Delilah. Oh, my goodness. Solomon and all his wives. You know, that was back in the day when that was okay. What was it he had like, what was it, honey? Was it, it was like 600 wives and 300 concubines? It was close to 1,000. I mean, it's like, dear Lord, man, don't you ever learn? <laughs> What are you going to do with a thousand women in your harem? I mean, really? Come on. You know, but that's a mistake. You make sure that the choice you've made is the right choice. Hallelujah. And when relationships aren't the right ones, pray that your child has the courage to break it off. It's going to take some courage, it's going to take some determination, it's going to take wanting what God wants over what they want. Because those things can change. You know, just 
the emotions come, the emotions, I don't love you anymore. Well, wait a minute now. That doesn't, the kind of love that is required to get married is not the kind of love you turn off and you turn on. There's been many times I have said to my sweet husband, yeah, I love you right now, but I don't like you too much. (laughs) And you know, there are those days. You know you love them beyond a shadow of a doubt. You love them 100%, but I just don't like you much right this minute. And I'm sure he said that many more times than I've said it. (laughs) Bless his heart. (laughs) He's dealt with me for a long time. (laughs) But we stuck it out, you know, and and sometimes it's just nothing but the grace of God to get you through it. I mean, we got married here. We're 16 and we're 17 years old. And everybody said, it won't last. They won't make it. Well, I'm just stubborn enough that you tell me I can't, I'm going to show you I can. But you know what? There comes a certain point in time where, you know, you get fed up with certain things. You, you just think you've had it. You think you're ready to throw in the towel. And, and somehow you just get a hold of yourself and go, no, no, no. I'm not going to do that. I'm, I'm not. It's worth, it's worth making it work. It's worth making it work. You need to pray that your child finds that kind of place in themselves that when they make that choice, that they stick to that choice. But, you know, along the way, it's like the finding. Whosoever finds a good wife finds a good thing. Well, the finding sometimes is the hard part. Sometimes it just it takes time. For God to bring somebody into your life, whether you're a guy, whether you're a gal, it takes time to find that right person. I know PG said to me, you know, when he was a young man still living at home, he goes, Mom, what am I supposed to do? I mean, you know, there's nobody around here for me. And I said, you just keep doing what you know to do. You keep serving God the way you're serving God, and he'll take care of bringing the right person to you. And he did. One day, lo and behold, Cindy Cool's sister showed up, and suddenly he's in love. You know, it turned out to be, you know, it took a while because she had a boyfriend because he came home that night going, I'm in love. (laughs) And I'm going, she's older than you. She already has a boyfriend. You don't even know her. Stop that. But, you know, time went by and a year later, he's buying her roses for Valentine's Day. And I'm going, what's that? Oh, she's just a friend. I'm going, you don't buy friends roses. Mm -mm, No, you don't buy friends roses. Mm -mm, No. So I knew something was up and they were married later that year. You know, but it was worth the wait. Were there opportunities along the way for him to get sidetracked by somebody else? Yes, there was. Yeah. There were some people who came into his lives, to his life, and uh, had parents that were sure that their daughter was destined to marry our son. And we just smiled, and we thought in our heads... Oh, no, you don't. No, not going to happen. Not gonna. This is behind the smile. You don't say those things. But you thought, okay, this is, this is a matter of prayer. It's a matter of prayer. You need to help your child set standards for what they want in a mate and then not settle for anything less. Don't settle. God's got the right person. And there might be, in their lives, there might be more than one right person. You know, somebody asked me one time, do you think people are, are destined for, 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 to be together? And I went, 
I, I don't know that they are. I mean, the situation we were in, God did not orchestrate that. But here we are, after all these years, doing what God wants us to do. Ultimately, had, had we been following God the way we were supposed to, would we have wound up together anyway? Maybe. Maybe not. I don't know. But right now, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. Because really, that's it. Once I do's are said, it's done. You have a choice until you've made a choice. And once you've made that choice, you need to stick to that choice. Now, I, you know, I understand that there are times when the other person makes other choices and they leave. And really, in the, in the Bible, the only real reason I can see for people getting a divorce is when an unbelieving departs. When they decide they don't want to be in this marriage, they leave. They leave. Lord have mercy. I, I've seen and heard too many ministers who have gotten divorces, and for the stupidest reasons. Oh, she, she, she doesn't, what was, that, what was that he said that time about? Her, his anointing. Yeah. She drains my anointing. <laughs> A minister of the gospel said that. Well, he was, he, he, he considered himself a minister. He said, she drains my anointing. No, I don't want to tell him that. <laughs> he said, you should, should tell him what we said. No, I won't tell him that. <laughs> no, 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 we won't say that. <laughs> but but it's, it's ridiculous. Even ministers, you know, will, will get divorces for reasons that are just incomprehensible. That's not what, what God said. And that's not what God ordained. Well, they're this, they're that. It doesn't matter what they are. Once you are married, you are supposed to stay married. And you're supposed to make it work. Not just put up with it. I mean, there's this, there is this idea that some people have, well, this concept that, you know, you stay married regardless, whatever. You know, there, I think there's a term called the traditional marriage where two people stay together for, for life, you know, not because they love each other, not because they, they're happy, but just because this is what you do. You don't get divorced. That's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about changing you so that that marriage becomes what God intended it to be. God intended for marriage to be a, a fulfilling and satisfying place of, in your life. And your child needs to understand that. You need to pray about that. They need to, you need to encourage them to pursue a relationship with God, not with the opposite sex. If they will pursue God, God will reward them by bringing the right person to them. He will. On the other hand, you need to show them how to treat a mate. You need to be the example of what a good, godly marriage should be. And again, like I said, the, the weight is the hard. The finding is the hard. You know, everybody else has got a boyfriend. Everybody else has got a girlfriend. Everybody else is getting married. Everybody, it doesn't matter what everybody else has got. It doesn't matter, you know, if they got married when they were 19 and you're, and you're 29. You just keep waiting till the right one shows up. 
parents, you need to encourage them. You need to pray and encourage them and keep them following that path. You just stay. Stay the course. Stay the course. Stay the course until the right one shows up. In 2 Corinthians 6, 14, you all know this. It says, be not unequally yoked. And, you know, we told our boys that does not mean just that they're born again. For us, it means so much more than that. It means that they are not only born again, but they're spirit-filled. That they're walking with God the same way I'm walking with God. That they understand the things of God the way I understand the things of God. If they're in this church, they know so much. But let's face it. You know, you're talking about yokes. What is a yoke for? It, it, it connects two people. I mean, just like a, maybe a yoke of oxen. It's, it's connecting them to do a particular job. Well, how can, how can they do it if one wants to go this way and one wants to go that way? When one says, no, I don't want to go, and the other one says, I do want to go. See, in our house, we, we were like that. He, he wanted to go to Bible school, and I was going to have nothing to do with it. So he had to wait until I got back in harmony with, with that. And you don't want to get put in that position. You don't want to find yourself. You don't want to find your child, you know, in that kind of a place where they're not equally young. Let's face it. Well, they love God. Oh, do they? Do they? One of the, I, I heard somebody tell me one time when they were, you know, young adults, and they were out, and, and before they would, date, they would actually consider dating anybody, they just wanted to sit down and have a good conversation with them. And this question was, was something they put to any person that they might even think they might want to date at all. And they said, tell me your story. Well, what does that mean? Tell me your story. Tell me the story of how you got born again. Tell me your story of how you love God. Tell me your story of how you developed a relationship with God. Tell me your story. If they don't have a story, honey, run. Run. Because if they don't have a story to tell you about how much God means to them and how impactful it was to them the day they gave their life to Jesus, then you know that their passion for God is not first place. And if it's not first place with God, you don't need them. You don't need them. I, 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 I knew tonight that doing this would, I'm talking about praying for your child, but I'm telling you what, if it applies, you better listen. I don't care how old you are. How can you expect somebody who doesn't know what you know when in the middle of the night when you're sick and a raging fever is happening to reach over and lay hands on you and pray and take authority over that fever and command it to go? How can you expect any agreement when your finances are falling apart with somebody who doesn't even know how to give to God and doesn't know how to pray? about finances. See, being unequally yoked for our children means so much more. Well, that means that whittles a lot of people out of the picture. Yeah, it does. Thank God it does. It takes a whole lot of people out of the picture. 
Yeah, but he's a good Baptist boy. I don't care. If that good Baptist boy isn't born again, spirit-filled, knows who Kenneth Hagin is, knows how to walk in faith, knows how to pray the prayer of agreement, knows how to take authority over things, your child has no business seeing them as other than a friend. Mm. Yes, ma'am. You can tell whether they love God or not. Do they find themselves in church all the time? Look at their checkbook. Does their supposed relationship with God reflect itself in what they give, what they do with their money? Does their attitude, the way they talk, does it reflect a godly attitude? If they aren't settled in the things of God, they're not settled enough for you to marry. And if you can't marry them, you shouldn't be dating them. That's all there is to that. I remember when Stephen and Rachel uh, first met each other. The Morgans had that ice cream shop that put all the extra pounds on all of us until they got rid of it. We, we, were, we were just helping to support their business. You know, that's what we were doing. <sighs> that support, you know, landed around the middle of a lot of us. You know, but, but I remember he was working down at the ice cream shop, and this young girl came in one day, you know, looking for a job. And Leslie interviewed her, and she seemed like she was a real go-getter and a hard worker, and so she hired her. And, and I'm not sure, I don't, I'd have to ask him, but I'm not sure if he, if he looked at her and thought, well, she's really cute. Maybe that's somebody I could date. But what his first interest was, let me make sure she's born again. Let, if, she, if she's not born again, I want to get her born again. And then there was, there was nothing on the horizon. There was no even thought. He wouldn't even let his thought life go into dating her. He, then his next project was, let's get her spirit-filled. His next project was get her in church. His next project was, was just to wait and see how she developed in the things of God, how much she grew, and then he was able to date her. See, that's the way it ought to go. If you meet somebody and they're not born again, your first priority is not, oh, are they a candidate for marriage? No, they're a candidate for salvation. That's what they're a candidate for. Let me add something. I know what happens a lot of times. Young man or young woman, uh, they don't have to be young. Be middle-aged, doesn't matter. Uh, you're lonely. You're looking for someone. Maybe you've... You're young and you've just, you know, never found your, your spouse or you're older and, and, and uh, you've had things happen in your life and you're, you find yourself unmarried again and you start looking for somebody. And, and we've seen this so many times. People will say, well, you know, but, you know, he is born again or she's born again. Like because being born again is the most important thing and it is. You can go to heaven without speaking with other tongues. You can go to heaven without believing in a lot of the things we believe. So, yes, that is the most important thing. But the next question is, if you're developing a relationship with someone, a, a romantic relationship. Or you see your child doing it. and Yeah, or you see your child. They're, they're born again, but that's as far as it goes. Let's, let me back up a little bit. Do we know according to the Bible, that the new birth is not the end. 
We do know that. We all agree that the Bible teaches that you get born again and the next thing God has for you and the next thing you must have as a Christian is to be filled with the Holy Spirit. I think everyone in here would agree that's, that's, that's Bible. That's the truth. Mm-hmm. It is the, it's essential in your Christian walk. And not only that, to, uh, to get into the Word of God, find out who you are in Christ, beginning to grow spiritually, learning to use your faith and exercise your authority and, and all of the Christian graces. The Bible teaches all those things. They're not, they're not uh, 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 options, are they? Does anybody consider them options? Okay, let's go back. You, you've got somebody you're, you're thinking about getting involved with. You're beginning to develop a relationship, and you start, you start conning yourself. Well, they're born again. That's the, you know, that's the big thing. They're born again. Yeah, but they don't, they don't believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Why don't they? Why don't they? Why is that okay? Well, you know, they're not spirit-filled, but, but they're safe. But why aren't they spirit-filled? Now, do you have that little a witness in their life that you don't, that they don't see something about the baptism of the Holy Spirit? They don't see the reality of that, the power of that in your life? The necessity of that. What, it, what does that say about your walk with God? That they're interested in you romantically, but they don't want this baptism of the Holy Spirit that you profess to believe is essential. You say it is, you nod in a situation like this. And I, and I know there's people uh, not here who needs to hear this. But, but, but you can help people. And you need to protect your children by this. Yes. Why aren't they spirit-filled? What, 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 have you talked about it? Well, we're not really talking about it. Really? You're thinking about marrying them? And you've not talked about speaking with other tongues? What, what in the world? It's part of your life. It's part of your walk with God. It's an essential part of your walk with God. And you haven't talked mm-hmm. about it. Why not? If you have talked about it, well, they just don't agree. Well, really? They don't agree with the Bible? They don't agree with the Bible. You're thinking about marrying them, and they disagree with fundamental truths of the Bible. And you're okay with that. Do you see, do you see the, the, how illogical that is? See, we have friends who are pastors, raise their children. Uh, their, their oldest daughter is just a little, just a few months older than Pastor Greg, and raise their children in the same environment that we've raised ours in. Allegedly. And, and their, oldest, their oldest daughter started dating a, a nice young Baptist boy, and she married this young, ma- young man. He came to church with her while they were dating. And when they got married, now he wants to go back to his Baptist church. What is she going to do? And so they went back to that Baptist church. They have raised their children in that good Baptist church. I dare say, I doubt that their children are spirit-filled. You see, it's more than just this generation we're talking about. We're talking about succeeding generations. We we love, we, we acknowledge that there are other Christians, that the body of Christ is big. A lot of the body of Christ is not spirit-filled. We're not dishonoring the Baptists when we say this. No. We, you know, they, they have what they have, but we know there's more. There is more. We can't just say, well, you know, it's okay. Well, it, it's okay for, for someone who doesn't know, but when you know, 
and someone says, well, I'm just, I just, I refuse to acknowledge the, the truth of the word of God. Uh, I, I love my brothers and sisters in other churches, but, but we can't have that kind of fellowship. There's a, there's a limit to our fellowship. I used to belong to Ministerial Association here in town and was, and was one of the officers of it that it disbanded a number of years ago. And uh, I had good fellowship with other pastors in the community. They were 100% against speaking with other tongues. We had good fellowship to a point. We fellowshiped around Jesus and we would go golfing and we would do you know some things together, but... I could not fellowship them with them around the things of God on the level I can with you because they, they just weren't there. Well, how in the world would you want to, would you want to develop a, bring that into a marriage? Because what that does is it, limit, it will end up limiting your fellowship with God. And it you, absolutely will. And you don't want your children settling for less than God's best. And this pastor and, you know, his wife that, that she's talking about, you know, they immediately just defended their daughter. Well, you know, yeah, he, you know, he doesn't, he's not spirit-filled, but, you know, he's saved. He loves God. Thinking how foolish that you would raise, that, that you evidently don't even have enough standard yourself to insist that you, that you raised your daughter to think, well, it's the speaking with other tongues. We say we believe it, but it's really not. It's really not important. Yeah. Because I'm going to marry somebody that's not spirit-filled or somebody that doesn't believe in the power of God or doesn't, you know, you could, you could go on and on, but you really want to partner with somebody? I keep going back to the thing, if, if this is, if you're on fire for God, why isn't, your, why isn't this person that you're, you're a friend with, why aren't they catching fire? Mm-hmm. If they're not catching fire, there might be something wrong with your fire. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, it's the truth. Well, praise the Lord. You're doing a good job. I just wanted to, I just wanted to add <laughs> I that don't again. mind a little tag team here. <laughs> but we don't want our children for settling for less than God's best. You know, and I think that sometimes it's not so much that, um, you know, our kids get grown and suddenly they make this decision. It's just along the way. Were, was it demonstrated to them how important these things are? You know, when you instill in your children all along the way how important these things are, then you won't have to deal with it when they get to a place where now it's their choice. It's not like it's suddenly like you have to defend their choice because that choice won't be made. It's important. Listen, need to, need to find out, is this person that's potential, potentially dating, potential mate for your child, are they interested in the perfect will of God for their life as well as your child's life? How do they fit in to the plan that God has for your child? How do they fit in? Say one person's, this person, your, your child is called to the ministry and this person wants nothing to do with it. Why date them? If they already know that there's a call to do something specific, then that adds to the, the standards that they're needing in a mate. It adds to their vision for the future, their desire for the future, their willingness to follow the plan of God should match up 
should line up. Because, because when two people get married, now they're one. How are they going to walk together if they're not in agreement on the plan of God for their lives? Because now it's not just my life and your life, it's our life. These are things we have to pray over our children. And you know, so much of the time when you just kind of, you just see these things and, and you know these things and you, and you see your children beginning to, to have interest in other people, you know, sometimes, you know, you can pray, you can get the word and you can pray the word and sometimes you have to spend a lot of time on your face praying in the Holy Ghost. Because God's going to have to reveal those things. God's going to have to have to, to quicken their hearts and he's going to have to show it to them and open it to them. But see, there's where you get another place to pray. Is that they're willing, that they're able to, to hear God and they're willing to hear God. You know, sometimes people get involved because that emotional attachment has been formed and now they're not willing to hear God. All the, all the red flags are there. All the warning signs are there. You know, some, there's, you know, that robot that was on, what, lost in space. Danger, danger, Will Robbins, Danger. You know, and they won't, and they won't give it any to heed. How many times have people made those decisions, knowing I know they're not the right one, but I'm going to do it anyway? We we rarely, you know, if somebody's interested in another person, we rarely bring them. I mean, it, it almost never happens when we talk to somebody about the, the the direction they're taking in a relationship. But I remember a pastor brought somebody in one time, and not a teenager. This is an older person, and um. This was going to be a second marriage for them. And he brought them in, but by the direction of the Holy Ghost, sat them down in their office, in his office, and he said, I want to warn you about what you're about to do. Well, why, Pastor? He said, there is disaster ahead for you if you marry him. Well, what's wrong with him? I can't put my finger on it. I can't tell you exactly what's wrong with him. But I'm telling you, the Spirit of God says that if you marry him, it will be disaster in your life. She did anyway, and it happened just like Pastor said. Disaster. It was a disastrous thing. Absolutely disastrous. You don't want your child in that position. You know, Proverbs, you go back to Proverbs. Proverbs talks about strange, the strange woman and the virtuous woman. There's equally strange men and virtuous men out there. It goes both ways. There are people who will say, oh, yeah, I, I, yeah I'm born again. I, I, I love God. Yeah, I do. And their, their intent and their desire is not godly. And your child needs to be able to recognize that and flee. Same thing with women. They come up to you, your young, your young man. Oh, yeah, I'm born again. Oh, yeah, we go to church. Oh, yeah, our family goes to church. Oh, yeah. But they're only interested in one thing. It's equally as prevalent these days from a, from a female as it is from a male. I mean, I mean, I know my children are, you know, in their 40s now, but I do remember what it was like when they were teenagers, you know, and, my, and one of my standards was unless it's homework-related, school-related, business, young ladies do not call my house. And they said, yes, ma'am. And one night, a young lady called my house, and she wanted to talk to one of my sons. And so I called him, and I said, got a phone call for you. 
And uh, and I held the phone like this and I said, now you need to remind this young lady that this is not about schoolwork, that young ladies do not call my sons. And he just looked at me and went, yes, ma'am. I said it, the way I said it with the phone where it was, so she would hear what I had to say. You don't ever know what, what suffering you're going to avoid for your child if you put those standards in place. Well, that's not how girls operate. I don't give a rip how girls operate today. If it's my son, you're not going to do that with my son. You're not. Well, girls just, you know, they just, you know, they're, they're more aggressive today. No, they're not. It's because people have allowed them to because they've seen the stupidity on TV and movies and everything else. You know, sometimes it's not a matter of when you, when you say this is not the right person for, for you. It's not that you're saying that this is a bad person. It's just not the right person. Listen, if they're not right for you, you aren't right for them. How many, times, how many times have we, you and I, seen a young woman in our church suddenly show up with a young man from outside the church? We've seen this. And you and I knew that, and this young man started coming to church and Jim the interested in church here all the time. You and I knew the he's only here reason, reason here, the only reason he's here is to get this girl. It's the only reason he's here. And he got her and he took her away. They got married and they're gone. We've seen, actually we've seen that with women, young women more than we have with men. Mm -hmm. You and I have seen young women come to this church and develop, you know, somebody that's been in our church, raised in our church or whatever. Suddenly they show up and they've got a young woman with them. It's a girlfriend. And you and I know, we can see it. That woman is only after this guy. It's the only reason they're here. And sure enough, they get married and they're out the door. We've seen it more times than we can tell. Of all ages. Yeah. You know, both, yeah, both ways. You know, I, I knew I probably would spend a lot of time on this tonight. I really didn't intend to spend the entire service on this. But it's so important. Your children need you to pray. They need you to make a stand. They need you to stand your ground. They need you to, to set the examples. They need you to, to just encourage them that the right one is out there for them. And wait. Just wait. You'll know it. When they show up, it'll just, it'll just be such a fit, such a perfect fit. And it's worth that. Because if there's, I mean, our, our children have both been married for, what, 27 and 22 years now. And I cannot imagine the devastation I would feel if either one of them ever got a divorce. Because my heart would hurt for them. Nobody wants to see their child hurt like that. Nobody. And if we do what we need to do as parents and pray about this particular thing 
and pray in earnest. It's not just a haphazard pray. It is something that's because it is so life-altering, so life-affecting. Don't get the idea that it's just, you know, it's not that important. It is that important. It is that important. In the meantime... Let me clarify something. I'm not talking about, a minute ago, I'm not talking about, you know, uh, a young woman and young man, middle-aged woman, middle-aged man meet from two different churches. They have to go somewhere. They've got to choose one church or another. I'm not talking about, you know, that it's wrong for them to go to another church. If they're going to go to a church that's a, that's a good spirit-filled church and they're going to continue to go on in the things of God, what I'm talking about is someone that shows up and we know that person's only here to get this guy or get this gal. They don't love God. They're going through the motions. They're pretending to. They're just nominal Christians Just to sometimes. get, they're just nominal. They're in, and they're just there to get that boy or that girl. And once they get them and get them married, it's not that they're going to go to another church somewhere else. Like I said, we've, we've had people leave our church and go to another church. That's, that's great. They don't go to another church. They either, they, they, they're not interested in going to church. This one couple I'm thinking about right now, young man, young woman, started out right here. They're both atheists. They, this young man was on fire for God, on fire, loved God. He's now almost a complete atheist, he and his wife, and they were right here in this church. And he, they, she came in from outside, got her hooks in him, and she had no intention of, of serving God. And they're completely away from the things of God today. I don't know, maybe they've gotten back in fellowship, yeah. I don't know. But the last I heard, they were just basically atheists. Well, parents, if you don't raise your children right and teach them right, they can fall for that kind of thing. They can fall for the wrong person. And, and it can be devastating. It can be. But on the other hand, if your child does get married, no matter if they marry right, no matter if they marry wrong, now it has become your responsibility to pray for that marriage. To see that God, listen, if God could take hours and make something out of it, he can sure do something with your kids. <laughs> he can, you know. And so, I mean, just all hope is not lost if, you, if they marry somebody wrongly and you know it was the wrong choice. And like I said before, sometimes it is not because it's a, they're a bad person. It's because they're just not the right person person. There is a right person. There is a right person. And as, and as parents, I know what it's like to attend your child's wedding completely and utterly happy for them that they're, they're made a wonderful choice. A wonderful choice. I want you to pray from the time they're young, very young, to the time that they do get married that God's will and God's plan is fulfilled in the choice of the mate that they choose for their life. Amen. So I guess I better quit with that. And everybody said, Amen. At Impact Family Church, it is our desire to see you blessed through the power of the Word of God. We have been helping people to change their world for over 25 years through our dynamic ministries and teaching. 
If you are going to be in the North Central Florida area and are interested in attending our services or just want more information about us, you can visit us online at www.impactfamilychurch.com.